on this episode of The Rest of Us. The world's been getting, to use a technical term, a bit cuckoo banana pants lately. Let's take it down a notch. Join us on an audible lazy river ride as we explore life's pressing questions like, do you remember Tickle Me Elmo? What did that teach us about economics? Or the fun of logical fallacies and the lessons we can learn from history. The reality is that hot topics like data science, correlation, causation, and their vehicles like AI are rife with complexity. Let's talk about it. What we're talking about. I don't either. What were you talking about? Around the record. <laughs> oh, you're we talking about cultural differences and I guess learning of the future. So one of the big things I came across in one of my projects was I deal a lot with it at work where it's we're dealing with global stuff or global mm-hmm. teams. So my my Indian friend, uh, who was our technical architect, uh, understanding, like one of the things, I don't know a better way to say this. Uh, it was a stupid story, so I'm just not going to tell you it. <laughs> Scratch. Scratch. It's a great way, to, great way to start. Great way to start. Thank you. Uh, man. Oh, yeah. Well, no, I think like just even the cultural differences of that project where we were talking to Europeans and most business people just say fine. You you and I say fine a lot. And we mean nothing by it other than it's fine. <laughs> and then others on the project were like, they keep saying it's fine. And you're like, yeah, they're they're German. They don't care. You know, like <laughs> don't read into this. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting, and especially as we become one global community, these literal these little differences that people pick up on, which are actually nothing, you know, and that you create huge miscommunication problems. I mean, this is what like, this is also like understanding what people mean when they say fine is the minutia of what we see happening in Russia and China at the moment, right? Which is Russia believes one thing and we don't like what Russia believes and therefore we will force our Western ways on them, yeah. liberal democracy ways. And obviously well, Russia not a fan of that. So here I, we are. I think, uh, and even to, to take it, you know, a, a layer deeper, Russia doesn't, what is it? We don't like what we believe that Russia believes. You know, it's not even, it's not even that we actually understand everything about that culture we're just we're making uh our best guesses based on their their posturing and and you know what i guess the information that is allowed to to leak into the world at large let me ask you this because my mom i was talking to my mom earlier and she's like Mm -hmm. what is russia so mad about what do you think russia is so mad about because you don't pay attention i'm guessing you don't pay attention to the news that i pay attention to um what is russia mad about yeah why are they why have they surrounded ukraine with an army oh they don't want they don't want ukraine to join um nato or U un i don't know the the what is what's that thing uh yeah nato yeah yeah got it yeah they don't want to join nato my mom didn't know, and she's like, they're just mad, which is true. But it, mm. one of the things that I've always found interesting is how much of messages get lost. You know, like mm. we, we have so many talking heads that are now filtered opinions of what's happening, and they're filtered opinions of filtered opinions of filtered opinions. Mm-hmm. So I was just curious if you knew. But yeah, you got it, right? That and, and, and according to Russia, and to your point about Russian culture, <laughs> Ukraine 
was kind of lost in all of the Ukrainian culture, which goes back to Soviet Union times. And so I would disagree, I guess, with the idea that we don't understand it. We understand it a lot. We just believe in sovereignty, which is, you know, like we've talked about the idea of what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, which is state sovereignty. Yeah. And therefore, Ukraine has the right to make a decision about what they want to do, whether they want to be NATO, whether they don't want to be NATO. And obviously, if your sphere of influence of Russia is shrinking, you're not, you don't like that. Not a fan. No. Not old Russia. No. Oh, and, and I mean, Putin's a, he's a strong leader, you know, he's not um he's got a he's got a good poker face he's got tight control over what's that that's gonna make a stupid joke and i was oh. like this isn't worth interrupting does he listen to a lot of lady gaga <laughs> I, poker face yeah i do actually i love lady gaga uh i saw her in concert i saw her in concert in nashville i never guessed that. yeah it was it was awesome um that's a different <laughs> story though yeah, I mean, but he, yeah, he's got a good poker face. He isn't afraid to uh, commit resources to things that he sees are in his nation's interest, right? And and the that becomes problematic for the the Joe Bidens of the world <laughs> when uh, you know we have to take a more metered approach because we have a different ally base than they do an interesting position at the end of the day i mean it's not in, it's interesting to me and i mean that literally but i think it's like scary to a lot of people yeah it's definitely scary well anyway all right, great show, everybody. Thank you for listening. And <laughs> in five five whole minutes, five whole minutes of the show. No, um, this is where it would be nice. Like in all honesty, I do want some. Like I wish we could figure out how to use this stupid fucking board because the board has the ability to flag the sound, and so you oh. just hit the button, and then it just puts all of these breaks. So anytime we went on went on a rant, you could just hit the flag button, and you wouldn't have to dig through all the audio. Really. Yeah, that'd be very useful. I was wondering, actually, if there's like a, uh, I can't, okay, I can't minimize Zoom while I'm recording. I was going to look at um, uh, Adobe and see if there's a, a podcast yeah. thing in the Adobe suite. Road? Oh, you have to use that mic, though. I wonder if, so the road... Like they have that road podcast. They basically have the software you can download for free. Yeah. But I don't know if you'd need, like if I could ship you my other microphone and you could use that and I could use this. Like, I don't know if it would work with this microphone. You have to download it and play with it. But, and I think it understandably only runs road, but we have two road mics. So, yeah, they have, uh, premiere rush oh right there so who does adobe adobe does yeah create and share online videos anywhere listen to two rubes figure out how to record audio (laughs) this This week this week oh man yeah 
that's basically it. Medium. But it doesn't have the oral exciter nor the big bottom. Oh. Yes. Well, if it doesn't have an oral exciter or a big bottom, I'm not interested. Neither. Garbage. That's why I bought all of the road equipment. This have the, this come with the oral exciter. All right. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take two. <laughs> oh. I love like entertainment. Right? Like we're just gonna call us the oral exciter. <laughs> yep. And then you have so to you keep don't... a kind of keep a straight face when you talk about it though. Yeah. It's like the flux capacitor. Like when we'd go into these meetings. So in, in my last project, we had a really great team. And it was almost like teleprompters where, oh, I can't. Have you ever seen, have you ever seen, I think it's Cabin in the Woods, where it's like the people, they put them into, if I recall correctly, Cabin in the Woods movie where they put people into like a simulated horror environment and they kind of like roll the dice for these events that are supposed to happen you know what i'm talking about no i mean i've heard of the movie i just haven't seen it (laughs) go watch it so it's one of my favorites because it's like half horror half comedy yeah (laughs) it's a great movie well anyway there's this scene in it where i think it's that movie it's like the one spokesman and his entire team behind him, like passing him notes and stuff. And that's what I always felt like when I was going into these meetings, because it would be me talking, watching like the scripts and the messages pop up of things I was supposed to say. And I wouldn't read it. Like it was no, it was unfiltered because I trusted my team. So it would be very much me being like, yeah. And I think it's just, and like, like anchor I always, man. <laughs> yeah, this just it. I pooed my pants or whatever. <laughs> I, yeah, I trusted what a them. Question mark here. How many times do I have to tell you he will read exactly what you put on the teleprompter? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's what was happening. Because you'd be in these like crazy things where it would they'd be asking questions and I had no idea what the answer was. But I was like, they're Googling it. So I'll just keep talking and like eventually the answer will pop up on the messenger. But yeah, I was like, man, I'm glad I have a good team. That's awesome. <laughs> This they could go really sub- wrong. Yeah, they're in the subterfuge. Yeah, I have no idea what I'm off. talking about. That's fine. I'm making this up as I go. Yeah. This just in. We fucking hate you. Shit. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was great. Like that's uh, the fun of consulting. Like it's it's like it always makes you think of like the earpiece stuff. Techno wizardry. It's a good Googlers out there. That's a, lots of good Googlers. Had an interview, and that's what I, you you said. You don't watch the video, right? Of what this? This when you cut. Uh, you could even like if we could find you a like a strong enough visual cue. Yeah, I don't. I don't, I don't watch the something. video when I'm editing because uh, it's the video is not rendered in um, when you put it into the editor. So I go by audio. Stupid editor. Yeah. And then even if we were doing video, I would still only go by audio. I was just thinking of a clapboard. Right no, now. it's fine. I'm not worried about it because it, it, like I can I can kind of speed through things and, and I don't know, like there's there's a process to it. Kind of get into my groove and 
kind of zen zen with it you know fair enough yeah so yeah yep 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 you're fine you're fine uh what were we talking about well uh you had me look up mcnamara the McNamara fallacy. Yeah. Oh man. The McNamara fallacy, and I was like, reading it, and I was like, I'm watching this happen in real time. So, okay, the McNamara fallacy is called the McNamara fallacy because of the it was the Secretary of State or Secretary of War or something. John C. McNamara. John C. McNamara, yeah. John C. McNamara uh, during the Vietnam good War. Good old Johnny C. Uh, started C Max. Oh, C Max decided that he was going to make data driven decisions, um, but only make data driven decisions. So he was he was making you know decisions uh, to the exclusion of other uh, non quantifiable factors and. Um, many people believe that this this ended up being one of the primary reasons that we lost the vietnam war was uh because we weren't we weren't taking into account non um non-statistical factors yeah so there are a few tenants there are a few tenants of the lot like the logical form of the fallacy which i think are like if you put it in these four sentences, it's really easy to understand. And this is one of my favorite sites, mylogicalfallacy.com. <laughs> just throwing that out there. But according to them, they say the logical form, the description is when a decision is based solely on quantitative observations, i.e. metrics, hard data, statistics, and all qualitative factors are ignored. So in its logical form, measure what can easily be measured, Measure whatever can easily be measured. Disregard that which cannot be measured easily. Presume that which cannot be measured easily is not important, which I think is like the biggest part of this. And presume that which cannot be measured easily does not exist. So trying to kind of simplify information into quantitative, easy to measure, and easy to judge metrics that ignore qualitative judgments this sounds a lot like the same principles that are on this other website that i like it's called mylogicalfallus.com <laughs> anyway yeah you have a very logical phallus so it's all about measurements use man this. <laughs> oh well played i was like can you use this in a sentence but that <laughs> really fucking funny <laughs> yeah I was watching some, uh, like I've I've become obsessed with this show called Taskmaster, and uh, it's just this stupid British show where they give people tasks and they have to do them, and it's done by comedians. But one of the girl comedians, some guy comedian, does something and he measures it incorrectly, and the girl comedians like most men do. <laughs> or, or, yeah, men men have a men men tend to overestimate distance or something like that she's like most men do <laughs> yep again the mcnamara fallacy yeah <laughs> so uh yeah so our boy johnny mac yes but but it's 
very relevant. I think it's even more relevant today because everybody is um, making or attempting to make data-driven decisions or, or they at least want to incorporate data-driven decision-making into uh, whatever their process is. And um, just where... Uh, where it's it's easy to fall into the trap of everything you know trying to measure everything and then and then turning everything from a measurement to a goal and then so like i think the other saying that i saw um that went with with that was uh said something like if you a measurement a, a good a good metric ceases to be a good metric when it becomes a goal like you're not measuring anything anymore you're you're you've just decided to turn it into a a, a target to reach and then it it gets uh you know kind of lost um yeah the the value of the measure itself gets lost in attempting to attain it as a goal yeah well i think like to tie it back to our boy johnny mack during Vietnam, the metric that he had decided he was going to maximize was amount of Vietnamese deaths. Because if you could maximize like KIA, then we were winning the war, quote unquote. And obviously what this didn't pay attention to were uh, literal and literal costs of, of that, uh, costs of human suffering, long-term effects of things like Agent Orange, right? So, so he deployed this fallacy to make the decision about whether we should use use agents like napalm and agent orange and if you look at it that way you go, yes if our goal and our objective is to maximize vietnamese kia then of course we should use those but what it didn't pay attention to are the financial and human costs of all of those decisions and i think to your point that as we've marched down this line of hard metrics it becomes really easy to talk about and in effect blame measurements because we can point to them and say, well, I didn't do this, right? This metric told me to do it. And then we're just kind of blame shifting. Talking about qualitative factors becomes really difficult because I guess I would argue that we struggle more today than ever before to understand where people stand morally. And if you don't have clear ethos and you don't have a mission that is something bigger than you and you can understand what that means qualitatively, meaning that it can't be measured, then it's really hard to morally make these decisions, which is what we saw when it came to like moral leadership during crises and, and effectively pandemics, right? Which is there are no right answers. Sometimes it's less right answers or less worse answers. And you have a ton of uncertainty and if you aren't being morally guided, because you can't measure that, right? What is the right thing to do? Then what do we do? And instead of doing all of that, we just introduce the McNamara fallacies, which says, well, to win this war, we have to kill a bunch of people. And to kill a bunch of people, we have to make these decisions. I had something I wanted to say, and I don't yeah. remember what it was. Ah, oh, shit. Sorry. I lost it. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> um, I think this is also the fascinating part of like data science, right? So data science first, I guess, data or rather poor data is like a $6 trillion a year problem, right? So 
there's a lot of complexity to that answer that hides underneath the curtains because so you're saying you so poor data being like the misuse of data or the use of incomplete data or like what do you mean poor all data? of that yeah all of that right so i would define bad data clean data would be a really clean data set that doesn't need to be acted upon everything matches right so like computers get confused with dates because they can go day month year month day year date like all of those things mean different values to computers and to us we understand it but computers aren't that good we can build things on top of those to make it figure it out but yeah right so we have unclean data we have poor like sampling of data and then we have systems and reports and KPIs that are reporting on those data that obfuscate or extend the problem. And then you have everything that is surrounding that to undo all of that. Meaning, maybe a better way to say this, the root cause problem is we don't know what we're measuring and we don't know why we're measuring it, but we create a bunch of KPIs and a bunch of different hooks to help us measure what we think we should be measuring because we haven't figured out that we shouldn't be measuring the thing that we're measuring because those are tough conversations. Yeah, and I think there's a danger in assigning meaning to a random measurement. Um, cause, so you get into the, the conversation of, of causation and correlation, uh, you know, where you're not, um, you can you can measure something, but you know, just because two things uh, move together doesn't necessarily mean they're uh, related to one another. Yeah, great example of that. I remember studying this in my abnormal psychology class. Is sorry, I'm trying to think of the <laughs> correlation. Oh, sales of ice cream versus deaths from heart attacks. I believe deaths from something. Right. And so to take the intellectually lazy way of looking at these data, we could say, okay, well, ice creams cause deaths when the reality is that ice cream sales and heart attacks go up with temperature change. Right. So we're selling more ice cream in the summer or heat stroke is probably a better example. Right. Like we can probably pick one of these metrics. But but right now we look at data through a really simple lens. And so if we look at correlation, we say correlation is heat stroke deaths increase with the number of ice cream. And if we don't ask the question about does ice cream cause heat stroke deaths, we just assume that to be true because that's what correlation tells us. Then we assume that's causation. Whereas the causation of this is likely that the ice cream is being sold in the summer as heat stroke is also being caused by summer temperatures. So there's a fascinating story about uh, storks bringing babies, right? So the reason that that people think storks bring babies is because uh storks are i want to say they're migratory like they they you know they'll they'll move but in in one country as the storks are migrating through they will roost on the people's roofs uh, of their houses usually by their chimney and it they would come in the winter time and you know roost in the winter time and then by the spring People were usually having uh, babies in the springtime, um, and the myth became that, well, you know, the stork brought you a baby over the winter, right? And that's, you know, uh, uh, 
correlation, right, is does not equal causation because what was really happening was people were shacking up for the winter, right, and they didn't really have anything better to do um, during the cold months and and uh, you know at the time that this this story uh, or this, uh, this superstition or whatever you want to call it um, belief, yeah, this belief uh, came by, but we still have you know that that's still a common. Um, you know, a, a common thing today where people said, oh, the stork is bringing a baby, but that's where that came from, causation. and uh, cor- It's a correlation. People started to correlate storks roosting on your house during the winter with you having a baby in the spring. A bunch of weird, like, I think my other favorite bizarre correlate, it's not even a, I don't even know what to call it. It's like an idiom that's been introduced <laughs> but uh nest egg right so you probably know this from having chickens but we think of nest eggs in kind of urbanized environment as our retirement fund and uh a nest egg to chickens is you have to put an egg in the nests so that way the chickens know to lay eggs in that nest it's a nest egg it's like literal right and it's always <laughs> i think uh so i have chickens actually um and I've I've raised chickens for a few years, but uh, when you're raising chickens, one of the things that you do if if you want to keep a flock, right? You can't pull all of the eggs out of the uh, out of the nest. You have to keep something in there for the future generations of your chickens because some of your chickens are going to get slaughtered for meat and some of them are going to be kept for eggs and then you need to replenish because chickens get old and die as living things tend to do. So yeah, that's that's a good point. I know that. Me raising chickens. So that's an interesting now I guess we're just talking, which I like better, but like one of the things that's going to be interesting over the next few months that on the old interwebs when it comes to cyber warfare the old interwebs says there's going to be a chicken shortage speaking of chickens that we are about to run into the ability or inability i guess to purchase chicken meat and therefore people should hoard chicken meat which really brings up the question of (laughs) correlation versus causation did we create our own causation because of like are we the cause of our own problems basically and I would argue yes like I think one of the big lessons I always learned was that if all we do is react then we're not really free and this goes into one of the constructs of cyber warfare and in in, and this goes into one of the constructs of cyber warfare which is reflexive control right meaning that we have two parts of our brain thinking fast and thinking slow And if I can get you to be reacting emotionally, you're easy to predict. Meaning that if I tell you there's about to be a chicken shortage and you're on tilt, what are you going to do? You're going to go buy a bunch of chicken and therefore it becomes kind of manifest destiny where you created the chicken shortage for yourself only to like, which then proves a fallacy correct because we, and we saw this with toilet paper and economically speaking, what's one of the things that's really interesting is that we proved that demand doesn't really affect price. Meaning that like, do you remember the tickle me Elmo fiasco? Yes. Yeah. 
So from an economist perspective, the Tickle Me Elmo thing was really interesting to understand and study because they continued to add capacity to build more Tickle Me Elmos. And there was all of this like price fixing and like the craziness that became Tickle Me Elmo, which is really one of the first like viral instances of sales, if you will. And what we found economically was that it really had no effect, right? All of the money and fixed and variable costs that fed into the Tickle Me, <laughs> Tickle Me Elmo epidemic didn't really, like they didn't walk away at the end of the day with a bunch of money like we all thought they did because of all of the middle actors that acted on the Tickle Me Elmo stock, like secondary and tertiary markets. Wow, that's fascinating. I didn't know that. I just thought, I, I, I guess just, just like everybody else, I, I just thought people were making money hand over fist, uh, selling, selling Elmo dolls. Uh, uh, I think a similar thing happened in the eighties with, uh, cabbage patch kids too. There's always something every year, you know, um, I was working when I was working in retail, it was, uh, those hoverboard things. I don't know if you've ever seen those. Um, yeah. I remember actually go ahead. A funny story about hoverboards. Oh man, yeah. So they were like three hundred dollars a pop, right? And people were coming in and we couldn't keep them in stock. And uh, you know, they were they were selling out uh left and right. And then eventually, you know, the holiday rush slowed down and so someone decided they wanted to come in and boost a bunch of them. So we we had a we actually had a smashing grab oh, where wow. like it was like uh, four or five people came in in, in a rented, they, they were in a rented Mustang, uh, was it a rental? Or they went like and, and took a, like a ride, they, they asked to like take it for a test drive. So they were test driving awesome. a Mustang and they just showed up and stole a bunch of hoverboards. Was it Eleanor? This would be like the most... No. Eleanor from Gone in sixty seconds, <laughs> the GT five hundred. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. I don't think it was like a cool Mustang. I think it was just like a stock. Might have. It might have been the. Uh, might have been the six cylinder. <laughs> they didn't strike yeah. me. They didn't strike me as a crew to spring for the for the big engine. So, hey, getaway ponies, man. I mean, we followed them out. We took their pictures and got their license plate number and it was good times good times so i remember when i lived in ohio and in my apartment i lived next to like a browns player it cracked me up because he would go cruising down our hallway with the hoverboard like you're a literal professional athlete <laughs> your entire job is to be in shape and you cannot be bothered to walk down this We'd love to hear from you. Are you passionately curious about something? Did this help? Did you hate it? Shoot us an email at contact at restofusmedia.com and let us know. The Rest of Us is currently funded by the donations of our listeners. If you would like to donate, please see our donation link in the description of this podcast. If you own or represent a business and are interested in sponsoring The Rest of Us, please contact us at pr at restofusmedia.com. 